Shiva. I'm Shruti Kamati, podcast host. Welcome back to a new episode of season two of the podcast. In case you're new here, I would highly recommend you listen to the introduction episode and to others welcome back. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at Stories of Infosec Journeys and on Twitter at Infosec Journeys. We have a lot of collaboration coming up in the upcoming months, so stay tuned on our social media channels for the updates. Today with us, we have Minati Mishra, who is the Director of Product Security at Philips Health Tech Bangalore. In her career of 25 years, she has rich experience in architecture, design, development, and is now responsible for securing systems. She has been instrumental in setting up the Security Center of Excellence in Philips. And under her leadership, they got the medical industry first UL firm registration. She's also leading the Philips cross-functional team for harmonizing the SPOM generation, securing cloud application, DevSecOps, and initiative around the secure development lifecycle. She has a master's in electrical engineering from IIT Kharagpur and a bachelor's in engineering from NIT Rohi. She's been an advocate of product security at various national and international forums like HIMSS, RC, DSCI, Nalcon, etc. She teaches underprivileged children and likes spending time with her family, doing yoga and reading and traveling. Welcome to the season two of the podcast, Minati. In your own words, uh, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, no, thank you, Shruti, for having me here. In my own words, okay. Uh, I'm a doctor, a wife, a mother, and I'm also a cybersecurity professional. I have been um, working as a director of product security at Philips Bangalore and uh, in, been in the industry for about 20, 24 years old. Yeah. 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 That, that That's quite a long time. Yeah. 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 Now I recruit uh, team members who are 24 years of age. So when I joined, <laughs> started working, they would have been just born. <laughs> So how, how does it feel uh, communicating nice, with them? It's so nice because we get to know so many things, not only about professional things, but the way they approach life. It's so different, but it's very nice also. I like it. Yeah, I think I find that uh, interesting too. Like, you know, the way how folks who are a lot younger than us, the way they approach life, that yes. actually gives you a lot of perspective at times. Exactly, exactly. And then, uh, you know, sometimes I get to, uh, I, I set to compare myself and then it's funny also just to see how the generations have changed over days <laughs> and years. <laughs> All right, that's good to know. Okay, so uh, I'm just curious, uh, how was that, uh, you know, you found your calling in InfoSec? Was it an accidental thing or was it a conscious uh, choice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, I don't have that answer that it was, you know, my calling. I went there. It was a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. And back in those days, you know, uh, I was working as an architect in a team. And uh, basically, there was a security assessment which was supposed to be done. And people were hesitant to do it. I just took it up and did it. And then that work grew, grew, grew till it became a full-time work for me. And that that's when the journey started about 10 years back, yeah. So do, do you want to talk a little bit about how it has been and, you know, uh, what has been some of your learnings from it? 
So it, it is actually, if I compare the landscape, the uh, sensitivity to security 10 years back till now, I think it has been a drastic change. Like earlier, we had to sell, we had to kind of push people, go behind people that we really need to get this done. Now it's reverse. People are behind us. You really need to get it done. So, I mean, it's a total uh, 360 degree turn that we saw. Sorry, not 360, 180 degree turn. <laughs> okay. So, and, and it's not only happening from within the organization. We see this kind of acknowledgement and urgency to secure things being coming in as regulations from various um, geographies so it it, it it has been a drastic change and just to say that this is this is what we are seeing now is still we are somewhere in the 20 30 percent we still have a 80 percent more that we really need to cover so there's a long journey but has been an interesting journey uh, have been primarily been associated in the development of uh, securing and applications and so mostly on the development side of, uh, you know, products, not so much in the IT side have been involved in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then it must have been very uh, interesting with that, right? Yes, yes, yes. Good. All right. So do you, uh, since you mentioned a little bit about what you have worked on, right? Do you want to share about uh, any specific work that you have been doing or anything that our listeners need to know? Yeah. So I've been doing actually quite a lot of work. So I want to really get into all of them. Maybe at this point in time, what uh, I'm working on, I can give a flavor of this. So just to give a set of context. Uh, so when I started up, uh, started off my security career, I was kind of the single person in Philips Bangalore doing it. Okay. And at that time, um, uh, I was kind of tasked uh, with creating a security center of excellence. And uh, to be honest, I did not have much of a clue how to get it started. But I think that's the strength we have in the ecosystem. Now we are a 70 member strong team. And uh, if we see from our entire product security community, our team is the largest and most uh, you know, hands-on technical guys that we have in our team. Uh, and we basically work across all geography, across Philips, addressing all the security needs of Philips, especially in the development um, phase. So uh, you could imagine the journey has been, you know, long, but very interesting. Now coming back, uh, coming to the current state, in the last one year, I think things have really taken a different shape uh, because we are seeing a lot of focus from mm, governments uh, or uh, regulations asking for security measures to be in place. And this is something, you know, it's a mandate we really need to get it done. So currently, if I uh, see if I have to list down some of my activities which, in which I am personally involved, apart from my other responsibilities, uh, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the software bill of material and how do we really correlate the vulnerabilities, how do we publish it, how do we create the standard across the organization so that we can use it in the set of standards and so on. That's one activity. The second activity is uh, I'm also working with how do we uh, integrate DevSecOps into SaaS applica uh, you know, cloud applications. The third activity in which I am again personally involved is uh, looking at how do we 
secure our development environment. And this is a fallout of the solar winds uh, attack that happened, in which they basically targeted the supply chain, a third party component, and they targeted the build environment to inject vulnerabilities. So there's a lot of focus how do we secure our uh, build environment. And uh, something else also which has come up uh, is with respect to uh, what all additional controls we have uh, to build on the currently existing controls of supply chain security. So these are some of the topics which I'm currently working on. But apart from that, my other responsibility include um, you know, leading. Um, uh, so my team has experts on ethical hacking. My team has experts on doing risk assessment, threat modeling, uh, dynamic, uh, dynamic and static security analysis, uh, tool deployment, creating security policies framework for the organization, and also security standardization. So these are some of the activities which I'm currently involved and some of the activities which my team does. That sounds really cool. You've been up to a lot of interesting things that you're working on. Yeah, yeah, it's actually interesting, yes. Uh, and it's growing by the day, so it looks interesting. Let's see. Yeah, looking forward to hear more from you in the future. So uh, you have been in the leadership uh, role for a while, right? right now and uh, yes. I wanted to understand what your experience of being in this role has been and what's your advice for folks uh, you know who want to create leadership presence yeah 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 so yeah I have been in the leadership role for some time the experience has been very good because that gives uh, you know that gives us an opportunity to create strategies and push the organization in a particular directions or push our particular program in a particular direction. So we have that kind of uh, advantage. Along with it comes the fact that we have to also convince, talk with a number of stakeholders across the organization. Sometimes we have to convince them. Sometimes we have to uh, you know, agree to whatever is happening. Sometimes we have to collaborate. So it's a good thing because from a positioning perspective, we have to interact with almost everybody in the organization, driving various initiatives. And coming to the second part of the question, what is the advice? advice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So in terms of advice, I think the first advice is uh, uh, when you are in a leadership position, you get a lot of information. It's up to you. How do you extract the real thing that matters? So you might get information. You might basically get a lot of data and you really need to take that, uh, you know, create that information out of it. So we really need that clarity of thought. And with clarity of thought, the second most thing, important thing comes is communication. Because I think at the end of the day, we are not really doing hands-on development. Our main job is to communicate both to our stakeholders, maybe sometimes trying to convince them of something or maybe trying to understand something and also convincing our team members or communicating to our team members. And that is very key in this role. So clarity, communication. And the last one I would suggest is the ability to take risks because sometimes one of the most paralyzing things in any organization is the delay in decision making. So I think we should have that ability to take risk and align our team in that direction. You know, that's some uh, really good advice. Um, I think like, you know, it's important that you kind of understand when and how it's important to 
take risk and have that clarity of thoughts and communication because like you said there's a lot of data that you have access to but how you really use it uh, makes a lot of difference right yeah yeah all right so here's this one favorite question that i have which i've asked uh, for a few of guests in our uh, season one episode um so how is that you deal with uh, failures and criticism and what is that uh, you do to bring yourself back on track yeah you know thanks shruti i think failures and criticism uh, one of the best teachers to deal with it is age so maybe if i reflect back when i was a lot more younger i used to take failures and criticisms much more uh, much more to my heart as opposed to currently where it is not really bothering me i i believe it is not bothering me that's one thing so basically we kind of learn from our failures and we understand it's not that bad to have a failure so if i reflect back i think uh, some of the failures which i had earlier have been great teachers to me so they are as as much a part of my current position as my successes so my failures and success both define me currently uh, so that's one part the second part is with respect to criticism um again yeah you know criticisms can be of three varieties there could be variety of one in which actually criticism has a, a has some meat to it it has some value so we should be able to understand that and take the right advice and go ahead there are some criticism which is done just because maybe people are not happy with you but you are you you are convinced that you are doing the right thing but people are not happy to with you and they might criticize and if if we know we cannot help the situation i think we should just ignore the third type of criticism which happens and many times it happens uh, maybe for people who are not very vocal is people criticize you mainly because they know they can get away with it so this is where we can actually you know if it is because of our own nature that people know that we can be taken for granted and that's the reason we are being criticized that's where i think we should be able to stand up and give a response respectable response but we should be able to respond so yeah these are some of the learnings that i got through my years wow i think that's some really cool way of handling uh, criticism Uh, so i've heard these kind of responses in the past as well but uh, i think really trying to differentiate you know what category the criticism belongs to you can actually respond to it accordingly all right so uh, this season we actually started something called the uh, rapid uh, round questions where like i just have a couple or uh, more questions and you can give like a one liner response to it okay it did not be very detailed uh, so Thank let's you. get started okay. I said thank you, Shruti. I used to uh, listen to the rapid fire round rounds in all these quiz contests. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> okay, good to know you're excited about it. All right. So, so if not uh, infosec, then which profession would you choose and why? Ah, uh, AI and data science because it's a hot cake. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound interesting. Okay. So, uh, what is your source of motivation that keeps you going? I think the daily people, uh, whom I see, um, every day keeps me moving. I think everybody has some, um, impact on my life. Everybody I see, starting from the person who works for uh, our home to to maybe my boss. <laughs> <laughs> all right that that that's good to know that you know every time you look around you have a source of motivation it's not very common for everybody so yeah all right so uh what is the one thing uh you love and one thing you dislike about infosec yeah 
the one thing I love about Infosec is, um, you know, those kind of eyes and ears people are getting because of the security issues and no, that's security lens that is being put on people's eyes. That's what I love about Infosec. And what I dislike about Infosec is um, if I see from a education landscape perspective, like how how we have, you know, coding ethics, uh, code quality being ingrained when we start coding. I think security has to be a part of that culture. And that's only, that's when we actually move security left and have the code development team ingrained in them their core security values. Like they have code quality values, they will also ingrain the core security values. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that. All right. So uh, what are some of the latest trends that you've seen in uh, InfoSec? Yes. Uh, so uh, as I mentioned earlier, there has been a lot of change in the global ecosystems in terms of regulations and guidelines, all focusing on, you know, how do we improve the security landscape of everything which contains software? So it could be related to, say, supply chain security. It could be related to publishing uh, your software bill of material and how do we monitor vulnerability. Uh, it could be related to, you know, how do I label my product? Like how we have the energy ratings for our consumer devices. Now the discussion is we should have a similar kind of rating or some similar kind of stamp being given to our products which state that okay they are at this level of security so a lot of things happening i think uh, yeah yeah all right thank you uh for sharing your uh, insights with us on the latest trends uh, minati uh yeah. i think with that um we pretty much uh, come to the end of the podcast and i do have like one last question for you um that is what is the advice you have for people starting out uh, in the security industry and for people who are already in the security industry so i guess i think we have a lot of smart people so i don't think they need any advice to be honest but if you really ask me, I think whichever field they choose is not only in Fosec, I think to give their 100%, to be committed to that, I, I think then everything comes out. So that's the only thing I would suggest. I think otherwise people are very smart, I think <laughs> much more smarter than me. All right. Thank you so much uh, for sharing your uh, insights with us on the advice piece. So thank you so much for taking time to you know be here on this podcast and uh, share your uh, experience and insights with us. It was lovely having you here. Oh, thank you so much, Shruti. Wishing you all the best in this journey. Thank you. That was it for today, listeners. I hope you all enjoyed learning about Minata's journey. In case you want to reach out to her, you can find her on LinkedIn. I have shared the details in the episode description. Also, you can leave a review now for each episode on the Spotify app. So do let us know what your thoughts are on this episode. And if you're an Apple podcast user, then don't forget to leave us a review there. Stay tuned for our next guest. Until then, stay safe and take care.